Thanks for tuning in to the Bigger at Hunters podcast. It's Hunter. Uh, today we talk about recapping snow goose season. Uh, snow goose season, in a lot of ways, is either feast or famine. Either you really get into them or you just struggle. Uh, this year really was a feast. We had a great year, had some amazing stories. Uh, a lot of laughs were had in this episode, so you don't want to miss it. Uh, we end the episode with a huge announcement, or I have a huge announcement. You'll want to listen through the episode to kind of get the announcement at the end. Uh, make sure to jump in this episode. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Dirty Devil Detailing. Uh, out of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, Kurt and Diane do some incredible things with vehicles. Every year, my truck looks like an absolute disaster once season ends, especially snow goose season. It always seems like there's mud, and all it gets in the truck. My my truck just ends up in a disaster. So they uh, they do interior and exterior details. So if you got a truck that's just jam packed with mud, uh, look or check them out at dirtydevildetailing.com or give them a call at 402 281 3860. You can hit their website up and just see what all the things they, they can do. Uh, anything from a basic package to something really in-depth. Uh, something I want to talk about today was is graphene coating. And this, this is coming from my brother. My brother and I both bought new pickups this year. And I would pull out of a field with a trailer, all the goose decoys, you know, running through a field. And <laughs> it's funny. He told me, even after you going through the field and making a mess or whatever, your truck for some reason still shines and looks better than mine. Now, he got the coating from the dealer, whereas I got mine, the graphene coating from Dirty Devil Detailing. That's what the difference is. It's a quality a difference in quality and product. So if you really want to uh, protect your paint from obviously all the corn cobs or you know maybe you're going through the woods, you want to protect your paint, uh, we all go through harsh uh, situations. They also do grant or coating on your interior as well. So, you know, you got dirt and mud in there. It actually does a good job of protecting your interiors as well. So honestly, in my opinion, one of the biggest investments in hunting is your vehicle. And I, I love a nice clean vehicle. So make sure to check them out. All right, guys, I appreciate you guys listening and uh, let's go ahead and jump in the episode. Welcome back to the Bigger Hunters podcast. This is Hunter. Uh, welcome back to another episode, and my co-host Jeremy. It's your boy <laughs> from Hunt Fish Three Six Five. If you guys haven't checked out, make sure to check out his YouTube videos. Uh, I don't know if he put po- did he post anything from Goose Season. Man, I've got that one video that we have, or that that one hunt that we did really well on, but. At this point, so late in the season, I'll probably just hold on to it and post it next year. <laughs> Did you get that snow goose hunt done? Yeah, I, ha- I haven't had time, dude. Oh, well. I've been so busy. Sorry, guys. I was going to say you can check out some of our snow goose season, but Jeremy's too cool for school. No, it's just... Eh, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. 
Everybody I, comment on this video or comment. <laughs> I'm going to post, a, you know, the thing on Instagram. Check it out on Instagram and tell him he needs to post that video. So give him the old public pressure. I can still get it done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, today, that's actually what we're going to talk about. We're going to recap the snow goose season, kind of go over the the things that we learned, the ups, the downs, all the craziness. Um so yeah, uh, before we jump into that episode, uh, turkey episode, or turkey season's here. Super exciting. We went out once. Probably won't talk about it too much, but um, had a great time. It was my first technical like spring turkey hunt. Yeah. And uh, if you guys are really interested in talking about turkey season, how it's going, whatever, jump onto the Big Grand Hunters podcast, fans, forums, podcast group. Uh, we just try to create a community around there and everybody could talk about their turkey season. So make sure to jump into that. So I look forward to talking about turkey season more in the future. Mm-hmm. Let's let season get a little further down because of the road. We just need some warm weather and we need Tom's to leave the hens because they suck. Yeah. It's kind of hard to compete with them sometimes. It's, you know, you're trying to... You're trying to display the lady, but when he has 10 moving ladies, he's not really thinking about the one lady. Yeah. The fake lady. The fake lady. The, Car- the Kim Kardashian of <laughs> hens. Oh, no. <laughs> but turkeys like them real. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, that was a pretty good one. That was pretty good one. Okay, so talking about snow goose season. Let's set the let's let's set the the tune the the expectation whatever else. So last season we shot thirty. We thought it was a decent season. I thought that there's some things we could have done better. Um, I think the big thing going into deciding on where we were gonna we were gonna set the spread at because the way we run spread is we we set it for like three or four weeks at a time. We set it up. We might move stuff around, but it's it's a permanent spread. So when we're setting the spread, a few things that we like, we like it close. That way you can run run out and hunt in the evenings. We like it where it's kind of a secluded spot because theft can be an issue. We ran into that a couple of years ago. And then four, obviously, you're trying to find an optimal spot to kill them. So you're trying to put together a lot of places or a lot of a lot of things that are trying to happen all at once. Well, I, I had got permission on a pond, went and looked at it, and I we had just decided that it was a big security risk. By the time we got on water, our decoys are out. We're going to be like 30 to 70 yards off the, off. well, there's a main highway and then off the road. So just wasn't an optimal spot security-wise. Pl- mm-hmm. security <clears throat> so we went and looked at this other pond, and it ha- it fit a lot of the descriptions. It was in a good spot location-wise. We'll talk about that in a sec. Security-wise, was way off a road, back behind the, uh, the landowner's house. And then, I mean, it was close to all of us. We're all like mm-hmm. 30 Danes, five minutes, yeah, maybe three. But in Dane time, it's 40 minutes. It, well, we had one day where he showed up at like 10 o'clock. He was supposed to be there at 7. <laughs> so in Dane time, it only takes them like three minutes, but because Dane is Dane, it takes them an hour. So yeah. okay, that, that's optimal for Dane. Um, for the rest of us, it's like twenty to forty minutes, depending on the group. So talk about location. The biggest thing about Nebraska is 
they tends to be a flux of where the snow geese fly at. And this is the thing that I, like we talked about a lot before season, that I kind of think I figured it out. So we talked about this a lot between season. So the other spot we hunted was a lot closer to the Missouri River. This side's a lot farther west. Now, there are years that the snow geese will come up, hit the Missouri, and come straight west towards Lincoln. Now, the other years, they just go up the Missouri. And I think I figured it out. What years, when there's a lot of slack water off the Missouri that they can sit on, they like the Missouri, they just stay on the Missouri, and that's it. When you get years like this year where it's dry, they can't sit on the Missouri or don't like to, so then they come off and hit all those farm ponds that go straight west. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened this year. Yeah, I I will say, like, though this, for me, this is my first year snow goose hunting, like, actually snow goose hunting. I've shot a few just here and there. But um, it doesn't mean I still haven't watched them and, like, seen them over the years. I will say I haven't seen snow geese like this since, like, I was a kid. I, yeah. It, we saw a lot this year. We really did. I I don't I can't say that. I mean, I've obviously seen a lot in the last couple of years. I should say last year we saw a lot because we were off the Missouri. Mm-hmm. But this year, this year was different. Why I say that is because when you get on the Missouri, there tends to be a lot more migrators. So you see, you're seeing snow geese all freaking day long, but a lot of them are a million miles in the sky and they're not even looking at you. Mm-hmm. Now, like we had a couple of days where that was going on, but there was a lot of local like pond jumpers and feeders. So I think, I think that played a positive role for us, um, just because I think that that kept them lower in the sky. And they were looking for local places to hang out at. So I think that was a positive thing for us. And I think that really helped us. Um, let's kind of jump into, <laughs> this is a funny part. So I'm we're going to talk about this. Security is obviously an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about security, <laughs> we had a lot of, we had, so we have about 10 funny, 10 dozen full bodies. A couple of years ago, 10 dozen full bodies just went missing. And... We kind of figured out who it was, just said, bring him back, or, you know, we're going to go with cops. Well, funny thing was, it showed up. Mm-hmm. Ten dozen just showed back up. So, security's a risk. We The place we're set up at, security, like, it should not be an issue. Now, you could see our spread from a highway, but, but to you, actual entrance, you have to go right by the farmer's house. And even the spot, like, where you can see it from the highway, I just, like, Especially if you're headed east, you're like damn near crashing your vehicle to try and turn your head to see it. Yeah. And even west, if if you're flying, you, you see know, a white blimp. Yeah, you, you will hardly see it. It you have to be looking specifically yeah. for birds to be on that pond. Yeah, and that's a. I mean, there's in years past, there's been a lot of birds that have roosted on that pond, and even this year we had birds roost on that pond, so it's not... Uh, yeah, just for, a few. For, for most people, unless you're really looking for the spot, like, you're not going to see it. So, and even then, you have to come off a road, drive, like, I'd say, not quite a quarter of a mile down a driveway, and then go down to the pond. So, like, mm-hmm. it's... I don't... <laughs> why I'm kind of alluding to this is I'm just going to get into it. So we're hunting one day, 
one of my buddies was out running around doing his deal, Brad, uh, from Real Fresh Catch. I think he put up a YouTube video about jumping. He wouldn't jump to field. But he was out moseying around and called me and said that he was talking to some guy and said that the guy had said that he could hunt that pond and that he was planning on going to hunt our spread. Talked about, like, what he looked like and talked about what he was driving. And, like, none of that, <clears throat> none of that rings a bell to me. So we contact the landowner to kind of like, hey, because previously before this, we talked to the landowner and said, hey, like we would security is at a risk here. And then landers like, well, okay, like you're the only one that could be down here. I'll let everybody know. So that way we don't have an issue and you guys can just be the ones down here just for snow goose, but you can have dibs. Okay. Well, we decided that all right, like, this is a go. Well, we call the landowner, and the landowner's like, well, I haven't told you guys, but uh, we've had two guys down here. And when I went down there with the four-wheeler and went to talk to them, figured, hey, is one of your guys out of your group or something? So go backwards a little bit. The only people that had permission to be down there by themselves was I, Jared, and Dane. Okay. Well, this guy didn't know who the landowner was. He didn't know who owned the spread. He really didn't have any information other than bogus. I guess he told him a bogus landowner. <laughs> and so the landowner rolled up and asked me these questions. And he told him a bogus landowner. He's like, I am the landowner. I live right up there. <laughs> uh, so he ran a couple guys that had been hunting our spread out of the spread. I just don't get it. I, I don't get it for many aspects. We had this conversation, but... Number one, I would never hunt anybody's spread without mm -hmm. them telling me I could or, like, having a good relationship with them. Two, like, I wouldn't go down there if I didn't have permission with the landowner. Like, it just, I don't get it. I don't. I, it blows my mind. First of all, I would, it doesn't seem like it would be fun to be hunting kind of looking over your shoulder the whole time. Like, yeah. that just sounds terrible to me. It's one thing, like, if it's a secluded area, but the landowner's house is right up the hill. The landowner's house is right there. It's a set spread, which means there's people coming and going. Like, it's not like they're just going to roll up and have to set up a spread. Like, they're going to roll up, get in the blind, and hunt. And yeah. just, I don't get why, I don't know, I don't get that mindset that people have. I couldn't tell you, man. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, it hurt it hurt my brain that whole time. Actually it even put me in like one weird weird position because of that. This is after we figured out about all that happening and yeah. I showed up that one morning before you got there. Yeah. And like the landowner was sitting in sitting by the mailbox and I was like, hey, I probably should go tell him. And I just walked up and I was like, Hey, we I've known about this whole situation and whatnot. I just wanted you to know that I'm I'm hunting with Hunter and like <laughs> I didn't want you to think that I was just some random person sitting out front of yeah. your property. But I still don't. And the fact that the dude, like, argued with him. Yeah. Like, to argue with somebody that's like, no, you need to get off my land. I'm the landowner. You don't have the right to be here. And then to be like, why not? Right. <laughs> it's just. I just. It's for somebody that has the power to call 
call the police and get you arrested for trespassing, and you're just going to sit there and argue with him. Mm-hmm. He's nicely telling you, like, leave. Yeah. If you're trying to argue with him, like, I just, that 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 part of it, it mystifies me. It makes me wonder, like. He's a better person than me because, like, if I had seen something like that and I knew those people weren't supposed to be down there, or if I had gone down there and they give me a little bit of flack, I just would have probably been like, okay, drove off. I would have probably called the cops. Like, I mean. I I don't know. I probably would have done what he did, but if you would have given me attitude, that would have been, like, the end of the game. Like, yeah. you're willing to sit there and talk to me and, like, okay, you don't. It would have been, okay, do you have permission to be down here? Yes or no. Like, do you know the landowner? Yes or no. Do you know who owns the spread? Like, the normal basic questions. And then if he would have popped an attitude with me, I'd have been like, I don't know. I've, I'd just been like, you have two options. Either you stop giving me an attitude right now and give me the information I need, or, like, the cops are coming. Yeah. It's up to you, like, how you want to act. Yeah. And so, it, you know, either way, if you decide to get out of here or whatever, I've just been like, don't ever show your face down here again, or you're going to jail. So just heads up. That that would have made me. Uh, that drives me nuts. I didn't even have the direct like permission, and it 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 made me really mad. And I know yeah. it made Jared super mad. Like I know when we were telling him about like well, like I was with you when you were telling him that, and he was like, "What?" Well, it's just like it it. There's so many levels to this where it just is so frustrating because, number one, like, that person obviously didn't, he didn't do anything. Like, he didn't help set the spread. You didn't put the money in the spread. You're not friends with us. You, all you want to do, do is just trespass and shoot geese. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know how you would justify that as a person, but yet most of those people... They do that kind of stuff. They don't care about anything or anyone. All they care about is themselves and what they want. And, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter on what aspect of life. That's just how they, they treat people and stuff. Yep. So, I don't know. It There's good people and there's bad people in the world. It just, that's the sucky part about hunting is that one person like that can, truthfully, it can ruin a spot. And... Why I say that is because not only can it, like, ruin a spot then, but you got to think from a landowner's perspective. Say, say that guy had become a potential security risk for him and his family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He could say in the future, you know, you guys are really nice. I, You know, you guys treated me well. It's fine. But at the same time, guys, like, you... Keep, people keep coming around because of the spread. I'm yep. not gonna. I'm. I'm sorry. I just can't allow you guys to have your spread out here anymore. Being a you know a big game hunter myself, like I can't tell you how many times I've heard landowners say, you know, I used to let people hunt my land, but then it would get mistreated, or you know, people who didn't have permission or thought they had extended permission would come in and hunt, and they weren't supposed to be here. So I just don't let people hunt anymore. Yeah. I don't know how how many times I've heard that. Like that is, that is a serious thing. Like people, will, it's pretty easy to like. That landowner was nice enough to let us hunt his pond for one, and then two to set up the spread, and with his house and his family being right up the right up the hill from the spread. Like 
and then to have all that happen. I mean, I hope it w- doesn't happen, but like there is always that possibility that next year, if we tried to hunt that pond, that we could get a no because of that situation. I don't. I don't think we will. Think so, but, but but that's like a reality that could happen yeah. with you know other landowners. I mean, or if a situation had gotten out of hand. Yeah. So I agree. It's it's a sucky sucky part of I don't know hunting or snow goose hunting, but mm-hmm. that's the hard part about permanent spreads. The it sucks, but the longer it sits there, the more people see it. Yeah. The longer it sits there and people think that nobody's in it, they're just like, oh, well, these people never hunt it. Yeah. But I don't, I couldn't do it. Like you said, I could not sit there and like hunt it and not feel edgy the whole time, like looking up the hill. What was it that we, like the day that that happened, we were talking about it on the way home. And I don't, I think it was, you were saying it's like sleeping in another guy's bed. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, I would feel weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have felt weird even if, like, all you guys were like, oh, yeah, like, to me, being the the new guy in the group, if you will. And, yeah. you know, I enjoyed coming down and helping set up everything and learning about it this year. And that's, like, hunting with you guys for Canada season and snow goose season. Like, that's what it's been for me is just learning as much as I can. But, like, even though I put in all that time, if you guys had said, oh, none of us can hunt today, but you go. Like, that's fine. I would have been like, I don't know. I feel weird about that. Like, these aren't my decoys. Yeah. I don't know the landowner that well. Um, I know I'm better now, but, like, even from somebody within the group, I'm like, man, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. It just would feel weird to me. Well, it's like... And I sure as heck couldn't just go down there and be like, ah, well, I'm hunting for today. <laughs> Uh, talking about like going in somebody it's like it's like going into somebody that you kind of know or not know at all walking right in their house looking in their fridge Mm -hmm. taking a beer going and like laying on their bed and then chilling out and going to sleep like yeah and then i dude i just (laughs) i don't know and that's the thing is like I, i i talking about our snow goose spread they like our snow goose spread is like twenty five hundred decoys strong. Yeah, there's a lot of money in that spread, and like I realize, I understand why it causes so much attention because it's supposed to cause a lot of attention mm-hmm. to kill snow oh, geese. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to get the attention of the birds. So it causes attention of people, but I think the other part, like jumping into location a little bit. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. We saw more snow geese this year, like that came that direction than we have in years mm-hmm. like something dane said to me was basically he had said to me like i haven't seen snow geese like this since i was a kid because there used to be like every year there was snow geese like that now that kind of makes sense because you know or late late 90s early 2000s there was droughts yeah which would make sense of why those geese mm-hmm. so i broke the code y'all heard it here so if y'all say it, it's hunter's hunter's fault no, I absolutely think you're right because, like, you had said something at one point where it's, and it makes sense, like, with how snow geese roost and, like, you know, sit on water. I mean, they sit in massive groups and they pile into it. Yeah. When the Missouri, when the river is low like it is, I mean, it, 
the, its speed is so much greater. There's not back pools. There's not just slow water. No, it's running. Like it's it's yeah. it's moving pretty quick. And I don't think snow geese like to sit on that stuff. No. And at snow geese, I don't. You don't see them sit on sandbars like you will Canada's. Mm. They just they don't do that as often. They want to sit in the water. They're more like they're more like ducks. Really, they are. But I, I, I completely agree. I think it had to do with the river. Um, and, you know, one thing I do even want to know. Well, okay, I'll say this first. There was that week, let's see, that first week of March. The other thing that helped us a lot was is that even though it was painful and annoying from, you know, our standpoint, it Warmed up and <laughs> cooled down and warmed up and cooled down. I mean, we had ice three different times after the spread was put in. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I do think that helped stockpile a lot of geese right in our area because we, we were on that line, and even then, like, by the time it froze up the second time, a lot of those geese were like, I'm not going back south. This is where I'm at. We're going to sit on ice. We're going to keep a pool open. You know, that's just the way it's going to be. And there was a period, like, a week period there where I would say within a 50-mile radius. I mean, we had several million birds. Yeah. It was, we, we, I mean, I saw feeds this year that I've never seen. I mean, I saw a couple south of town that, like, 100,000 plus. Like, they were massive feeds. I mean... I was sending Hunter so many videos, he was probably annoyed with me. But no. <laughs> we there was uh, there was a crazy amount of geese this year. And the thing that is amusing to me when we talked about our spots, the ten mile difference, we never saw birds on the pond that you had permission for. We had one day where we drove by and we thought there was birds on it and it was the biggest flock of gulls I've ever seen. Like, I mean, there's like 500 gulls just sitting in the field. And, but never saw geese there. And even when we would drive back to town, you would get a certain point west and the geese would just cut off. You wouldn't see them anymore. The pond that we were on, literally like hardcore flight line. Yep. And... That absolutely played a factor into how we did this year. So, kind of going back to the original story about picking this spot out. <clears throat> the, like, picking this spot out, we went to this other pond. It was farther west. And it was crazy. Like, talking about what you said, there's not a year that I haven't seen birds on that pond. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've jumped birds off that pond a lot. So to not see them this year, that was like that was odd. Thank God we didn't set up that pond because we wouldn't have done at all what we, we I think did. We, I think we would have still killed some birds. We would have had a lot of those small groups. Yeah. But no, we wouldn't we wouldn't have seen anything like we did, that's for sure. Um so we went decided a security risk, went to this other pond, and we rolled up, rolled down the hill, and like you just had to Take a deep breath. And why I say that is because we rolled up, rolled down the hill, and the whole side of the, so the field runs down to the pond, but the whole pond was completely covered in trees, the edge of the mm-hmm. pond. What kind of trees are those? Uh, there was locust, and then um, 
What are those thorn trees? That's locusts. Locust. Yeah, there was a lot of lo- lot of immature locusts in that tree line, and then oh, I don't remember the other tree that was in there. I don't know, but, but either way, so there's the locusts. They they got these like big old thorns to them. Oh man, they hurt. <laughs> I got stopped by a few of them. So the whole edge of this pond was completely covered by this, these locust trees. Mm-hmm. Call a landowner. Hey, do you care if we get these out? No, I've been meaning to take those out. If you guys want to chop them down, like you're doing me a service. Okay. So we're going down there, and like I would say we probably had between everybody, I would say around 50 man hours, like cut between cutting trees, pulling them out, and then putting up decoys. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, we. it was a long weekend working yeah. on it. So we spent most of the week cutting trees, getting them into a brush pile, and then spent um, pretty much all, of, I would say, six or eight hours of Saturday because the big thing was if you got thawed ground, putting up a snow spread really isn't that big, big a deal. But when it's not thawed, you have to take a drill and do every single one, and it mm-hmm. is exhausting. Yep. And so... Put up the spread, and it looked it looked good. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, basically, we had our blind was in a underneath a couple trees, which I think it was a good thing for like the blind aspect. But I nope. hated it for shooting. Nope, I would have cut the top half of that tree off <laughs> and leaned it over. I wouldn't have like cut it and pulled it away. But from the be- very beginning, I was like. That thing is going to suck. I would have. I think one of the negatives was I wish we had brushed the top of those blinds a lot better before. And that was my intent. But by the time I had knew what was going on, they had already brushed. So basically they made our whole, like our blinds look like two big, like one big brush pile. Yeah. Which was a great thing. I just, our, our, you know, just if we hunt our blinds a lot. We hunt a lot during the year. Well, by the time we got done with Canada season, the tops of our blinds were beat down, and they need to be rebrushed on the front and the back. So there was the brush was up higher because, like snow geese, they like to hover and like with the couple of trees kind of brush us up a little bit. But I think that would have made a difference positively if we I, brush the top. Brush the top, or I would say if you had been if you'd just cut branches off and like stuck them in the block like the sides of the blind versus like making one giant brush pile because you're absolutely right i mean our our blind was really big but it got up to the top of the blind like level with the blind and there was nothing over our heads um and there's a little bit i mean there was some but like it wasn't directly over our heads so like i mean I don't know. We watch, I mean, they're snow geese. You're going to watch them flare, but we watched plenty of them get right over the blind. And talking like 80 yards and still, they just like, they're looking down the blinds and they just kind of do the, "Eh, rather not. Yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do think that would help us positively. So, I, that's one thing I would have changed from this year. I, I would just, other than like, there's a few shots I missed because there was this tree in the way. Other than that, I I do like that tree being there, so I disagree with you on that one. But I'm I'm not talking get rid of it. I just would cut it about halfway up and lean it over. Yeah, I get that because I think I don't know. If you ask me, I would have probably I probably would have. Yeah, we had a lot of wind this spring though. 
Yep. Part of me wants to say get rid of the trees completely and just grass the heck out of that thing. Yeah. Because that way, like, because that's the, the other thing about trees that kind of sucks, using them as that br- main brush. Because if you try and put it up above your head, to, you know, close the hole of the blind, you're going through and you're poking yourself and hitting yourself in the eye and getting stuck in the branches. and <laughs> Yeah. But... Or hitting a hitting a tree with your arrow. <laughs> another Jer- another podcast. Jer- Jeremy was turkey hunting and <laughs> missed the missed the bird with a tree, but we'll get there and we'll tell the whole story on that one. So, <laughs> so that was a that was a positive thing. Like so, basically, like we got to do what we wanted in terms of like setting the decoys. Uh, kind of going through what we had. I mean, we had. I don't know, probably 40 or 50 floaters. We had another 40 or 50 Canada floaters. We had Canada decoys. We had snow goose decoys. And we had about, I don't know, 2,500 decoys and everything. So, like, we're on the big spread. I mean, it definitely got it definitely gets attention. I think that there's things we probably could have done uh, differently. But, I mean, there's snow geese. It's weird because, like, one day you'll go out there and they will not do anything. And could be because they're migrating or whatever else. And then there's a day where you're literally standing outside the blind and they're trying to land on you. So mm-hmm. just for whatever day, whatever day, whatever reason, they just do what snow geese do. Now, talking about this, we've had the discussion a lot. So I want to have it on the podcast. What's after getting a whole season under your belt, seeing what like snow geese do when they're when they're younger and dumber, What's your thoughts on full bodies versus socks? Oh, so we've been going over this off season, as you said. And I would say every day that we came back, we discussed like. To some degree. To some degree. And though compared to what you guys have done in, in the past, I still, I still think if it was my spread, I would get rid of a large percentage of those socks and get full bodies probably have half the spread, but they're all full bodies because a lot of the geese that we shot hit that mix of full bodies and socks. Like, I mean, landing in it or attempting to land in it and all the guys that you'd see on like, and I get it, their guide services and they have a little more money into it and they, have to try and produce but like they're running four to eight hundred full bodies but they're shooting 40 to 70 birds a day because they have that realistically realistic look i you lose the movement with the full bodies i think because trust me you get you get that 10 mile an hour wind and those socks they're dancing and i do like that movement but I just think, especially when you get birds that hover, if you're in a spot where they, which snow geese hover, I just think they're they're too used to them now. I think that they're used to only sock spreads because they're. I mean, they're they're gonna get used to the the full body spreads just like everything else. Eventually, they figure it out. Yeah. So I think. I think in some ways of like an only full body spread, in my opinion, also hurts you in some ways because there's not enough motion sometimes. Yeah. 
I would, I would do half, like, what would I would, I wouldn't do, what'd you say, throw away, like, two-thirds of the spread? I would, I, or sell it, I should sell it, but. Yeah, I would probably, you're, you're right, I do agree, you need some movement from the stocks, but um, I would probably get rid of at least two-thirds of the stocks, and put that right back into full bodies, and make that mix, because. I would, I would do one different, I wouldn't go two-thirds, I would do one-third. Because I do like the bulk and the size, and I, you know, if if I had my realistic, like I could do whatever I wanted, mm-hmm. I would do one third socks and then go year out. Yeah. But from more of a realistic aspect of what we could do in like a year, I would go keep two thirds. I would sell the one third. I would go through and like dig out, like the the ones that are shredded, the ones that don't look as nice, whatever else. Sell those off and then go buy full bodies and shells and do like try to make the whole spread look like that mix mm-hmm. where like, I mean, I think that's more realistic. I think that, I mean, let's be real. A lot of, a lot of the birds that really like did it and decoyed and did it right. It was, it was on that mix. We're right in that mix. Now mm-hmm. I will say, you know, a lot of our birds were in that loafing time period and where they would like to loaf is on the edge of that pond where those are those decoys were at. But I do think I do think it was a big deal for them to be there, the realistic aspect. And I see I think that's part of the if we're hunting that pond, that's part of the reason I think I'd be okay with getting rid of two thirds of the socks because honestly with the setup that we had and where we were hunting it's just like any waterfowl. Location is key. Like, if you're where they're comfortable being or they would want to be, and, like, the pond that we hunted several times throughout the season was a very big roost. I mean, we had that one day that we came over the hill and there were 70,000 birds on the pond. Yeah. I mean, it was a ridiculous amount of birds for the size of the pond. And... Though we did have those days where we watched birds migrate like crazy, there wasn't a day that I was in the blind where we didn't have birds like really hardcore working us. I think the area was right. I just, my fear is that they would get over those socks. I also, I know it'll break Jared's heart, but I'm not big on the flyers either. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) I hate to say it, but I agree. I mean... I think they're way too expensive for what you're getting, and I think that I just, I don't know. I could see, I mean, I see a use for a couple of them, but just, like, I don't know. I just, I think it's another one of those things that it's kind of like the mojo with ducks. About end of October, ducks are just, they won't look at a mojo, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, you know, you can kill them in a field with a mojo, but... It just sits there. I mean, birds are going to work and work, especially the birds that are working and working and working you. They just see that thing sitting there, and if you don't have it on some kind of timer or shutting it on and off, and it's just flipping around, just sitting sitting there in the air, I I think they look at that and go, man, I know we're hanging, but we ain't hanging like that. Yeah. (laughs) And so... uh, I don't know. I just... It's a thought. No. Uh, 
more I think about it, though, I, I will continue to side with you more and more on having a healthy amount of socks. Because one thing I noticed this year, because there were a few days where I had a little bit of time in the evening and you just weren't available to hunt. And I just drove around and looked at feeds, took pictures and whatnot. And there is something that I noticed about snow geese and, you know, the amount of movement is required. Man, snow geese really move fast. They're very aggressive. They are very aggressive birds. And I've always heard that, but I've never witnessed it. And, like, I saw so many big feeds and so many, like, I I just got to watch birds. And, like, of course, one of the big feeds that I found, actually two of the big feeds that I found, I talked to the landowner, and she's like, ah, well, we lease it to people, so we can't. Like, <laughs> she wanted, I could tell she wanted to say yes, but she couldn't. Yeah. It was kind of painful, but whatever. And so, but I got, I got to watch it and the rate that they, I mean, some of these birds are like running across the ground. Like it is crazy how fast they move when they're feeding. Yeah. And I think that hurts you a little bit too when it comes to snow geese. The fact that those, whether it's socks, full bodies, silhouettes, it doesn't really matter. They're just sitting there. Snow geese don't really, unless they're, like, roosting for the night, they really don't just sit there. Yeah. And even then, talk about that, the roost. I mean, several times we came down to the pond, there was a bunch of birds roosted on the south end of the pond, but there's just crap and feathers all over the north end of the pond, and they clearly were there Yeah. at some point in the night. So... I that's that's why I'm not totally against socks. I mean, I do I do like full bodies, but if I you know I'm gonna be honest. I, even if I had my choice, I'd still do I do socks. I would say I think we don't do a great job of washing them sometimes before like preseason. I think they would look better and like they look whiter and like show up better. I mean, we every year we buy two to five hundred new socks but we haven't really gotten rid of any like we have but we haven't so i think we should recycle some of them or wash them all preseason so i the hard part is a lot of times like normally when you're trying to set the snow spray it's like one of the first like nice days you're coming out of canada season so if you if you don't do it, like, right now when it's nice like you're just not gonna get done and like i was gonna say let's be honest they're packed in a they're they're packed away in storage right now. I'm not going to get them. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the tough thing. You almost need to, like, over the summer, like, go pick up a bag of, you know, 500 of five hundred socks, work on those for a week, get them in the yard, you know, wash them down, let them dry overnight or for an hour or two, and then put them away. But, man, it's so much work when you've got that many decoys. Yeah. Um. Same for even some of the full bodies, like I noticed. And you and me talked about this a lot when it comes to getting more full bodies. I'm a professional painter by by trait. And so, like, um, I think we're going to have to touch up some decoys. And if we buy more, paint some. I, Of course, it, it sucks that you've got so many money things going on. Trust me, buddy. But, I know. Um, I... I will say I see I see spreads going up for sale in Illinois 
in Missouri, Gosh, uh, uh-huh. in Kansas. I have yet to see a spread go up in Nebraska. Because everybody like, in Nebraska, did, I'm telling you, that that from the 1st of March to about the 13th, there were so many birds in Nebraska that people just didn't. I just, they looked at the season that they had and went, yeah, we'll do this next year. Whereas, like, Missouri shocks me a little bit. Granted, there's so many people down there that do it that well, there's bound to be. There's a lot of clubs that sell them every year and then recycle. So a lot of times they'll do, like, three-year cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, once they start looking crappy after the third year because they're running a permanent spread, yeah. sell them and then rebuy them. So I'm not really, I'm not super surprised about that. Kansas, I can understand why people in Kansas and Oklahoma are selling because I'm sh- – other than Central Kansas, I really don't think they had a good season this year. Well, my buddy went down to Kansas a couple times. Uh, no, he only ended up, he only ended up going once. He did miss one weekend that he should have gone, and I think his friends shot like thirty gotcha. in one hunt. But um, everything like you know, we usually get we usually are the flyover state. Yeah, this year for snow geese, we were the. We were the state, I think. Yeah. Because even by the t- even by the time they were getting out of Na- Nebraska, from what I was seeing on social media, they were in Nebraska, and then they were in North Dakota. Yep. Like, they straight up, they got up from Nebraska, there was enough open water, they just kept going. Yep. And, like, so, uh, along with the drought aspect, again, with the whole ice line, we... We held that ice line most of this season, and I think that helped a lot. Because I know there was a couple days that we were hunting, and there would be like a slight south wind, and we watched birds go north. And then like an hour later, you would see a massive group, kind of like the one we watched go north, coming back south. Yep. And I just don't think that there was enough open water for them to stay north. Yep. Unless they wanted to sit up on the river, but again, I... I agree with you. I think the river was moving too fast for them to want to sit on it. They'll sit on the plat. They won't sit on the Missouri. There is a couple spots north of us that they would sit, but yeah, I don't. They a lot of those I felt like came back our way and just hung out. Which there was a couple days where we had a couple, or I would say two or three like super nice games, like seventy degrees. Mm-hmm. Kept seeing them come way up. And then I I think most of those birds end up coming back with that that cold front. Mm-hmm. And I think that really I mean it was like <laughs> like a hundred mile north to south that these birds were like compacted in. Yeah. And it was it was game on and it was a fun season. So talking about guys that either wanted to give up or didn't what you know. I, going into the season, set the expectation that if we didn't kill 40 birds, I was done. Mm-hmm. Why I say that? We spent 50 hours in the spread prior to even shooting a bird. I had spent 800 bucks on decoys, and then I spent another 500 bucks because I was an idiot, crossed the wires, and decided to blow up Jared, one of Jared's e-collars, which he actually did fix, and then it broke later on, but that wasn't my fault. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there, but... So, <laughs> I'm like 1300 bucks strong in this spread this year. <laughs> and, like, I've spent probably that, that much the last two, three years. So, I've got a lot of money invested in the spread. And not, like, you're, 
year before last year, I think we killed like maybe like we killed someone on the jump, but six. And then last year we killed 30, which is decent. But this year I was like 40 or done. Mm-hmm. I kept saying it. And like, per, like the first, I would say week, week and a half, we were on that struggle bus because it was adults. And I knew it was going to be that way. Well, you knew it was going to be that way. It was adults. And again, that ice line hadn't quite hit us. Yeah. Cause those first couple hunts, I mean, we had decoys sitting on ice and then it would like, kind of melt and they would sink into the ice and then they'd refreeze <laughs> and i would be out there busting ice yeah. and like so at first i i'm not gonna lie i was pretty frustrated uh, no pretty frustrated isn't right i had to like by the time we got all the decoys set up i had to convince you to go like by the time everything was all the work had been put in hunter was like i don't know that i want to do this i just <laughs> I have spent many of days just watching snow geese fly and not even give a heck about our spread. Uh-huh. And it's like, why am I even here? What am I even doing? This sucks. <laughs> like, this is not this is not a, a bird I can conquer. This bird has conquered me. I'm just going to go home and lick my wounds and wait for turkey season. Yeah, Because I remember, it, like, we talked about this on another podcast, but it was like, I don't really want a snow goose hunt. Like, oh, I'm excited about snow goose. And then we, like, did all the work, and I'm like, I really, I'm just, this sucks already. <laughs> and I remember going out on, like, one of our first hunts, and it just sucked. We just watched, like, we had to figure out about this spot, talked about the spot. We went out, Jer- Jeremy and I, we set the spread during the weekend, and we went out, like, a couple evenings. And this, like, this spot is not an evening spot. Except for Jared. Jared and Pappy. What? <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason they like water spotting in the evening i guess but for some reason it worked for them but for us it was not working yeah at all Mm-mm. and i after like a week worth you know a couple hunts in the evenings i was like this is not worth it for me this sucks and i can't remember because we even hunted the weekend the weekend wasn't very good right I think we had killed a few birds, and we did do that jump. We'll get, yeah. we'll finish up with the jump, but like the weekend wasn't great, and then like by the the second week, dude, I was not like I was not there. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Yeah, because I at that point I don't even think I had killed a bird like out of the decoys yet. No, we had killed them. I think you had killed that one, but like Jared had killed some. Dane. Talking about Dane. Yeah. He went out for an evening, shot three or four of them, and one was freaking banded. Yeah. Actually, I think that was during during he, a day. I was supposed to go. He just went out to get the call, I think, and then just ended up sitting there because there was, that was That was a different day. Was it a different yeah. day? Yeah, because the day I'm talking about, I was supposed to go with him in oh. the morning, and we were going to hunt, and he sends me the Snapchat of like, oh, yeah, you should have come. I was at work, and he, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Literally, like I, I watched it just as you were texting me. He's like, "Dane just shot a freaking band," and I was like, "I know." <laughs> so the following week, I was just, I was just ready to be. This is stupid. I'm done with this. This is BS. And th- I can tell you where it turned. So, <laughs> so this is this is where it turned. We went. The pheasants forever was in Omaha this year. And so me and him went on Friday night. It was like eight degrees on Friday. 
Yeah. And we're we're on the way back. I think it was Jared called you, and they had shot thirteen. I have to that night. I have to add that the previous weekend we went out and it rained. It was that Sunday, and we shot like two or three. And it rained on us for like a good saw, like yeah. And I at that but point, that's what I was done. We shot but two or three. Best. We shot two or three on that hunt, but we also had five thousand yeah. that hovered above us at sixty yards with like a thousand specks. That we, you know, Dane Dane was not in the blind when they came over. He was parking the four wheeler, and they came over, <laughs> and he got back to the blind. He's like. I can't believe you guys didn't shoot. And every time we would, j- we were like, "All right, you see these seven in that group." We we get ready to get up on them, and specs would just slide right under them. It was, it was stupid. I just that's all I can <laughs> say. I literally was like, "All right, let's go." Oh, specs, good. And then they yeah. left, of course. Like, but so lost that. Had got rained on. Yeah. I just, that, we talked, I was like, this is stupid. He, I'm not doing this. He was pretty much done. We went to Pheasant Fest, and then on the way home from that, Jared called him, and they shot 13 that night in an absolute windstorm, 8 degrees, but he said there was already birds going down on the pond. Yeah. He said there was already like 5,000 that had landed on the pond, and the next morning was supposed to be not super windy, that kind of that right wind. Now it didn't start as early as we would have liked. But when when Jared said they shot thirteen, you'd just see it in Hunter's face. The light kind of came back in. And like <laughs> the whole the whole evening I had been processing in my I really wanted to go because I you know, I'm one of those people if I set up a spread or I put in the work, man, I'll sit out there every single day if I get the opportunity opportunity to and so i was like the whole evening i was like how the heck am i gonna convince (laughs) how am i gonna convince him to go because i can't go without hunter there i'm better friends with dane and jared now but at the time i was still kind of like on the fringe like didn't know them super well but jared called said that and hunter was like all right, maybe we can go. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. And what did we shoot? 12? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And we ended up having a pretty good morning, especially for the fact that there was no wind to yeah. start. And it, by the time it picked up, a lot of the birds were done. But we shot 12, and pretty much all of them were in the decoys. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a, a sweet hunt. It so really... Isn't that the hunt you... YouTube or video? I'm mean? pretty sure that's the one I have on video. I thought so. Yeah, it is because I started the camera when we, because that was the morning we pulled up and the, there was a, just a ton of birds on the pond. <laughs> like, mega, yeah, mega load of yeah, birds. It was yeah. crazy. So went out there, shot 12. I, we shot them out of the decoys. I th- like realistically we should have shot more because we had that big group come in and there was like a dozen like dozen landing and I think out of the three guys that were there we shot three or four. We and we made it. We made an early call on that. Yeah. Like we had a dozen that were in the decoys and we were just like with the wind that we were having, you know, we were getting singles and doubles that were doing it and that was about all we were getting. And then to see twelve in there. We were just like, oh, we got to take it. But the 
couple hundred behind them were setting up like they were going to land too. So we kind of jumped the gun, but no shame. No shame. I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. None of us were running extended tubes or anything like that on that hunt. So yeah, it was, it was a nice refresher. I will say that it was refreshing to finally say, screw you. I'm pretty sure that was the hunt with probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. For what? That blue. Mm. Was that that hunt? The blue that did what? That was pushed towards us. (laughs) Oh, that was that. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Coolest thing I've ever seen on a waterfowl hunt. Um, actually it's funny because I have a buddy who had messaged me. He shot a blue during regular season, the same exact way pretty much. Um, but we had birds working over us and at one point on the outside of the decoys, we saw two birds just skirt across the decoys. Nothing, not close enough for us to shoot, but like they were like low and got to looking at them and. It really quickly came to uh, the. We came to the conclusion that it was an eagle that was chasing a blue. It, it had a leg that was lamp. It obviously was injured or something. So it literally chased that blue through the spread, chased it all the way to the north end of the pond. There was some trees down there. That bird, I don't know how it gave that eagle the slip because by the time it got to those trees, that eagle was like. I mean, it was on top of it. I thought that, like, they disappeared for a second, and I was like, oh, that eagle got that thing. And then it came through the trees and was headed right back towards the decoys. (laughs) And I literally was like, oh, yes. I knew exactly what was going to happen because, like, it had created some distance between that eagle, and I just knew that that bird was going to try and sit down in our decoys to get away from that thing, you know, safety in numbers kind of situation. Well... He chose the wrong decision. <laughs> Cause I literally was like, all right, I'm gonna crush this I'm gonna crush this blue. And I shot that thing through the tree. <laughs> well, so if this this blue's coming back at us and we're all like, Oh, this this blue's gonna die. <laughs> like we're already saying like uh-huh. this blue's gonna die. And it's coming back, coming back, coming back, and like we all kinda have our guns in our hand. And like the spot to where he kinda got in shooting range was getting close enough. That stupid tree yeah. that I dealt with all season. I had actually missed like a bird or two that day because of the tree. Mm-hmm. Because when you stand up in the blind, you go to, you know, go right to shoot a bird because the way our blinds was they're parallel with the blonde, the pond. And a lot of these birds would come in on the right side of us because that's where all those full bodies were. And they would come through the spread and then go right. Well, when there's 50,000 birds on the pond, you're bound to get a a, a single that mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere. Well, we kept having singles just like come out of nowhere and then fly right past the right of us. Well, I'd miss them. Well, this blue is coming from the opposite direction, coming like right at that tree. And like I went to like stand up. We both stood up, and I was like, I'm just getting down. You shoot it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the tree was right in the way, and you just boom, and he just he, he died. <laughs> I crushed it. He died real good. <laughs> and just to think, like. 
this blue, I thought, oh my gosh, I had managed to circumvent and get away from this eagle. I <laughs> am the blue of the world just to get owned uh, in the face. Just to get crushed. <laughs> like, <laughs> just to say, like, you know, animals that go to heaven. But if animals did go to heaven, this blue gets to heaven like, dude, I got away from this eagle. And like, I was going to land with my buddies and I just lights out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and God just walks up like, bro, that was Jeremy. <laughs> uh, <man>. So <laughs> that day was pretty fun. I think we hunted Sunday, but I we killed decent amount, but I don't remember killing as many the next day. Because yeah. we went out and we killed a few, but they just, I think we, oh, the that weather was, warmed that up. That was the day that we had eight people in the blind and it, with zero wind, we killed. I think we killed four birds that day, and yeah, yeah. It's just like we said, the the movement aspect. Socks are great when the wind's up, but the the wind's not there. It's just it's poo poo. That was the day that I shot that stupid juvie too. Yep, the one that was just we're all standing there, and he just decided, nah, I'll come hang out. Yeah, dead. He gone. He gone. Uh trying to think so at this point we had or we're having pretty good season i would say we're probably between 30 and 40 and like we're we're still we're trucking to the finish i think we had like a week week and a half at that point and we had like i think we're almost at that 40 spot i think it was like 36 to end the weekend yeah and i was like oh I think we're going to hit that 40. Great. I'm going to have to hunt next year. Like, oh, this is good. And, well, I got some news, but I'm not going to share it to the end. So I got a huge (laughs) announcement to end the podcast, but I'm going to make you think about it till then. So I couldn't hunt as much at that point because I had gotten some news. Yeah. The huge announcement. And uh, I think we went out a few more times, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, I had. That day that you got that news was the day my dad came. We only shot one, and I don't think you went again after that. I don't know. But so the next weekend, I know Jared went on Saturday, and I think they shot like eight or nine, and then we, like six or seven of us went on Sunday, yeah. and we shot ten, which we should have shot more, but we had some newer hunters in the blind and me and Dane kind of just sat there and talked about turkeys anyway. So, yeah, cause we were that, that I knew that was my last day that I was going to hunt because I had a really long work week and then turkey season started that next Friday. So, yeah, um, that was the end for me, but like we had a pretty decent hunt and what did we end up with? But overall, yeah. Uh, last count I heard was 72. Yeah. They went to start picking up the spread, and, uh, they, for whatever reason, like, it's, it's weird. Like, you, we could talk about high, we could talk whatever. The, the truck was literally in the spread, and they shot six or seven. So we shot 72 birds, and I think we shot 20 with a truck within the decoys, basically, or standing out. That that last day that I hunted, uh, I was out retrieving a, a Rossi, and we had th- 
three brassies dump in, and we shot all three of them. I mean, it just was like we shot some birds in some weird ways. Even one of one of those days, I shot one while we were like standing out of the blind doing the whole should we be done or whatever kind of jacking with the flyers batteries and whatnot and yep i was the only one that had my gun in my hands and we had one that land tried to land in the water spread crush that thing (laughs) poor bird (laughs) yeah but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think that i think overall we had a great season i'm curious about next season about water if I had to say it, and I've said it before. I think we're going to have another dry year. I think we're going into one of those phases, and yeah, I think if that's the case, then you know we hunt next year. Well, we'll we'll hunt next year. From my perspective, this year was I've never I've never done snow geese like hardcore. Never sat in a spread. Never been on any kind of jumps of great magnitude. But like we got a little bit of everything. And I know you don't really count it towards the numbers, but in my mind, I still count the numbers towards that jump because that was awesome. I know, like, to some people, jumps are probably, you know, unethical. There's issues with it. I get it. But with snow geese, like, I would never do that on Canada's, and I would sure as heck on that large of a scale. Now, I've jumped ducks off of a pond, but, like, a couple but, like, on a huge scale, I, you couldn't get me to shoot ducks like that. My problem about Canada's and ducks is if you fired into a big group like that much, yeah. you don't know how many you're going to kill with snow geese. It, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Even even if you found a roost like that during regular season, you, you, you get four or five guys. You're not going to shoot 50 birds apiece. Yeah. But, yeah. We the only time I would do that is if I knew... There was a canda at the edge of the pond that was banded. I'd sneak up there and shoot that one and be done. Well, yeah, I'll shoot singles. I'm talking about shooting into, like, big yeah. groups. Like, yeah. you could, I mean, we've, we got on one of those jumps that it was, I don't know. How many birds were on the pond by the time all those ones came back down? Uh, I would say 15,000, 20,000. Yeah, I was going to guess somewhere between 20 and 30. I mean, it was, it was a... So let's let's scale it up here. So Jeremy has always wanted to be on a jump, right? <laughs> and Jared, uh, he loves like Jared loves jumps. The reason why he loves jumps is because he's like me and he's competitive. And like his way, his way of getting back at snow geese is jumps. Yeah. With me, it just irritates me, and I just don't want to do it anymore. I understand that. Like the older I get the less I care about killing. Like, I'm, I'm making that transition. I'm not yeah. all the way there. Like, if you really make the full transition not caring about killing, you go hunting and you could care if you kill a bird. But I'm still to that aspect. I don't necessarily kill, care about that much as much about killing. But it drives me nuts when we get skunked or we're selling, seeing a million of birds and they're not doing anything yeah. or even giving us a shot. So for me, it's like I feel like I'm being beat by the bird. I'm not upset that we're not killing birds. Yeah. So his aspect, going back to the jump, he gets excited about jumps. So, like, he, we've got, there's another group. So talking about location, 
reason why we picked that location is there's not as many guys. Last year we had a lot of groups. This year we only had us and another group that was hunting in that, like, probably like 25 square miles. Yeah, I was going to say. Now, in 25 square miles. So there's a lot, lot less competition, a lot less pressure on the birds. So I think that helped us. Well, everybody kept their eye out. A lot of us has permission on ponds out there. Okay, we finally got the call. Like, be here at this time. We're going to go jump this pond. Perfect levy. We're going to let it rip, and we're going to get there. So, Jeremy and I, Jeremy shows up. Jeremy's a little late. No, I was with you. Yeah, you got on my truck, but you got there a little late. Not a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. Ah. I, I did show up a little late to Not, your not house. like that. We're talking yeah. like five, ten minutes late. So, we get going. Show up, pull up, and there's like a row of vehicles. <laughs> I'm talking like there's like 15 lined up, and I'm like, final count was 16 people. So I'm like, I like jumps and I like hunting with people, but like over five people, unless I know them or like new hunters, like I get a little nervy. Yeah, especially like rolling up to a jump like that. And I knew there was one other group that was supposed to be involved, but then they're transitioned, and now there's two other groups involved. And so, well, and it was really weird because so the night after you told me about the jump, I was texting Jared because I wanted my dad to go. Yeah. And I was like, how many people are going? You know, can we fit one more person in? And he's like, he texts me. He's like, ah, sorry, there's already like 10 or 12 people going. And I don't have the permission on the pond, you know, like, because he wasn't the one that had the permission or it had gotten access. But, um, He's like, so there's no more room. And I was like, okay, understandable, cool. To show up and there's like another group had gotten involved. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so the the pond that was up next to where we set up and took pictures, that was the pond we were supposed to jump. Yeah. I, they I, had moved off of him. Jared didn't have permission, but the pond that we did jump, Jared does have permission. Oh, okay. So we get there. There's three different groups. I pull up. I say hi to Jared. And he's like, well, get your stuff together because they're already in the field. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. So we, neither one of us put our GoPros on cause we're like scrambling mm-hmm. and <laughs> Dane pulls up. We're like, okay. Like we kind of like start walking and Jared's like, no, that way. And I'm like, okay. Like I have no idea where I'm going. Yeah. So we keep walking down this field, run into some other people that run into another set of people. Like we finally like figured out what's going on. It's like kind of madness at this yeah. point. And we're going to where this pond is, and you could hear them. Mm-hmm. Like, you could hear uh, where the birds are at. I feel like we're just, like, like Sleeping Beauty. We're like the little gnomes or whatever, like, going <laughs> to do the job or just, like, one single file line going through this, like, creek bed. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody fell on their butt, like, <laughs> trying to go through the creek bed because it's frozen. And uh, get across the creek, get to the levee, and... Jared, like, crawls up, and at this point, like, you're just trying to, like, sort through what's going on. Yeah. You hear, like, speckle bellies. Uh-huh. I, you know, talking about jumping, this is one of the biggest things that I have problem with jumping is that there tends to be casualties of other sorts, other yeah, ducks, yeah. other speckle bellies. And that's one of my biggest thing about jumping is that a lot of people don't take, they don't, they don't regard like other birds. They just care mm-hmm. about getting caught, especially I hate to say it's like jump shooters tend to just not care. They just shoot them. Yeah. And just, you know, 
So we crawl, Jared crawls up and says, okay, this whole corner is speckle belly. He's like, don't shoot over there. Yeah. They're all condensed. And we're just getting to the point where we're like, okay, we're going to crawl up and like go shoot into these snow geese. Next thing you know, you just like hear these, this group like come out of nowhere and you look up and there's thousands. I, I have to, I have to know about the time we were crossing the creek, the birds got significantly quieter. And I think a bunch of them had gotten off for whatever reason, but they went up, came back around, and we got a show. Yeah. We watched, I mean, and it was all the snows, and good Lord, I've never seen so many Rossies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, they literally came back over the pond and just dumped back onto the pond. And you're sitting at this levee, just like laying on this levee, looking up, and you just see Rossies at like 30 yards, uh-huh. just cupped up, and you're just sitting there. Well, I, I, one of the guys next to me, he was looking at the pond because we were kind of up at the near the top, and we were looking down across. And he was like, "Let's go! Why aren't we going? Somebody call it. Let's do this!" And then and finally, it's like. Dude, just look up. He finally looked up. He was like, oh, my gosh. Gosh, I didn't see those. <laughs> I was like, how did you not see or hear the, like, 10,000 Rossies, and, you know, snows that are just pouring into this pond right now? And, like, it, it really benefited us because, like, the birds that were still on the pond before those were on there were at that, like, 40, 45. Yeah. Like, probably a little, like, we were still going to kill a few with the amount of people we had, but... By the time all those birds got in there, they were at like twenty. Yep. And it was it was go time. So call it a million shots uh-huh. ring out. There's just birds just falling everywhere. At this point, I am like, okay, this was good. I like this. But what the biggest thing for me in jumps I really enjoy is I'm not gonna lie, my one of my biggest enjoyments now is watching Nala work Mm -hmm. and like we had had I would say an okay to decent duck season yeah we'd had a good goose season but I was really excited to have Nala out there because between like the goose season she had gotten hurt she had kind of had a couple decent like field hunts but like I I was I was excited she hurt herself in October yep she hurt herself again pheasant hunting in December December so she was a mess. Like, she straight up, like, would get healed, get, like, two or three hunts in, and then was out for the count again. Yep. So. So I was I was just excited because I was like, dude, you know, like, we kill 100 birds. Like, I'm going to go get Nala. We're, she's just going to go. So I run, get Nala. Another guy had his dogs, and I think there was, like, five dogs out there. Yeah, there was a bunch of dogs. And so we go up to the pond and, like, start retrieving. Now, I'm going to talk about something that really just irks me to no end, and I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to be frank. It pisses me the F off. And if you do this, dude, you're never going to hunt with me, and that's 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 the end of that. I So I get back to this pond. Another guy had gotten his dogs. I want to set the scale a little bit. This dude has got two field trial dogs. Yeah, no, they're champion dogs like they were these are the type of dogs you whistle they'll be treading water and they won't do anything until you tell them to do something Mm -hmm. like high-end dogs phenomenal dogs like now i regard nala is a good dog but those are great dogs yeah 
So, like, Nala's better than most dogs that you hunt with. Dude, this dog's, are, like, incredible to the point where, like, you don't even care about hunting. You just want to watch this dog go get, what? Like, I, I watched. I watched one of them literally cross the pond 200-plus yards yeah. to retrieve this cripple that some of the other guys on the other end had literally walked by. But... And it was windy by the time we were getting the birds off yep. the water. Like, there was a pretty good little gust. Not, not quite white calves. No. But, but like, enough, definitely there. Enough that you could tell that after getting 20 or 30 birds, it was starting to affect those dogs. And this was yep. late into the into the retrieving of the birds. But, yeah. Yep. It was... So, I went on the edge because I was seeing these guys do, these, do this thing. So, this guy sent his dog out, and they're doing the deal, and they're getting a bunch... Dude, there is dudes that are shooting over his dog. Yeah. If I catch somebody shooting over my dog that I'm not comfortable with, that I haven't given them permission to shoot over my dog, dude, I'm like, I will lose it. I don't know what gives you the idea that you should do that, but dude, it's snow geese. They're wounded. They're on the pond. They're not going yeah. anywhere. It's. I just do that. It, it was bad enough that, like, at one point, so there was a little a little raft of snow geese had kind of formed about 20, 30 yards off. Yep. And, like, this dog was out getting a, retrieving a bird. He was coming back. And some of the there was one guy that was like, you know, go ahead and shoot those geese. And I was like, I'm just waiting for the dog to get out of the way. After the dog got out of the way... I shot the geese, and he walked over. He's like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I've been watching guys shoot over my dog. I appreciate that. Like, he w- he knew what was going on, and actually, like, with how much time and money has gone into those dogs, I'm surprised that he didn't, um, like, quit using them because yep. he, was, he wasn't a part of any of the groups. He was from out of town. He was yep. somebody's family member that was there. Like, he didn't know anybody there. Yeah. So it was kind of... Like, what a situation to be put in. I, oh my gosh. So, seeing this all start to happen, I'm excited about Nala. Well, like, Nala, Nala's making that transition to maturity, but she isn't Mm -hmm. quite there yet. And because of all the injuries and stuff, I don't feel like I've gotten the level of training I wanted in this year, but it's just... You get to that point with a dog that you feel like you can communicate with the dog and it really, like, clicks and, like, you can work as a team. It's not just you telling the dog what to do. It's a communication. You have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're definitely make, on that precipice where it's just really starting to click. Well, like, <laughs> you walk up to a snow goose pond. There's 100-plus snow geese out here. That There's just snow geese everywhere. There's everybody shooting, all the craziness and the chaos going on. Like, knowledge is losing it. Like, you got to think from a dog standpoint that, you know, duck hunt and goose hunt or whatever had some shooting, but, like, this is all going on. Like, I can only imagine what's going through the dog's head. So, like, I'm starting to get her on some short ones and getting her going, and, like, she's having a hard time because, like, she'll be retrieving, hear shoot, like, shooting, thinking that she go get the other bird. I finally, like, had to get her between the the shoulders, look her in the eye and just like slow down. Mm-hmm. You need to pay attention to me. I'll get you on birds. And at that point, after I got after her, she really did very well on only paying attention to me, getting the bird, coming all the way back, mm-hmm. and then doing it and doing it well. Well, I went over these cedar trees because I was, I'm trying to get away with all these idiots. Mm-hmm. 
doing all this crap. And it really worked out because um, we had we had a good time. I think she got between 30 and 40, 40 retrieves. A lot of them were wounded over there because they had, they got shot, but then they kind of got up in the cedar trees to get away from everything mm-hmm. and were, like, hiding. So it was really good for her. I loved it. I loved um, her being getting that experience. And um, it was – I had a good time, I mean, overall. It was a blast. I enjoyed it. I was severely out of breath by the time we were <laughs> – because so like when you when you get up on a jump like that and especially with how many people there were i mean we like this was how big do you think that pond was probably 20 25 acres yeah probably yeah so this this pond is 20 25 acres and it's long it's not so much wide it's long um and so we had birds spread out across this whole thing and you've got i mean Instantly, there was probably 20 to 30 birds that literally, like, they got hit and they floated and they even made it to the bank on the other side. So I, I mean, people were like, as soon as we shot, somebody needs to get down to the other end. So I just, I took off. I went after all those birds. And so, like, I ran, like, a couple hundred yards after all of these birds. And, like, man, I was just dying. But it was a blast. I mean, I probably shot 40 times. Yeah. It was a great time. I enjoyed it. I mean, it is definitely one of those things I'd probably only do once or twice a year be- because of the sheer amount of birds that you come away with. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that I kind of want to pick at about this. So We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um, but <laughs> it was... I was having a great time, honestly. And, I mean... We shot enough birds that as we were putting them in the truck, I mean, the back of this guy's pickup was full. Yep. And then um, we we walked out of the field, and Jared had locked himself out of his truck. And whoa, whoa, whoa! You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Oh. So I get it. We're getting out of the field. We got all the birds picked up, and got back to the road, and so. Dustin was like, hey, there's a couple birds in this field. Will you, like, go go or send Nala on them and be cool to get some pictures? Like, yeah, that's great. So, line Nala up, send her on this Rossi, brings it back. And, dude, this thing, like, this Rossi is, like, pristine. I'm yeah. talking a dull, like, beautiful white Rossi. Sends it, sends her on the second one, gets the second one. Like, I got a pair of just, like, gorgeous Rossies. Yeah. And I think, do you still have that one in your freezer? Yeah, it's going on the wall. It's, like... You can't get any wider or, like, perfect Rossi. It it really was a perfect one. And, I mean, I ended up shooting a Rossi from the blind that, you know, if I had had, like, if it had been back-to-back kind of days thing, I might have chosen the one I shot from the blind just because it it wasn't quite as nice, but I shot it from the blind. Yep. But I've, I've, I ended up taking one of them and it's in the freezer because i just one of these days once i have them done i got my spec done earlier this year and i have a blue and now a rossi that i actually need to get on getting that to the taxidermist because i just want all three of them cupped up pretty much over my tv i think it'll look sweet once it's done but so 
we I mosey back the pickup and Jared had locked himself out of his pickup, so more he's messing with his truck trying to get in the truck and you know some guys just uh, skedaddle back up to where we're gonna take pictures at and uh, Jared decides to pull out uh, a banded blue. Yeah. <laughs> so Jared's been like I give you an idea. You probably saw him on like our Instagram and stuff, but like he's a country boy, like. Full redneck country boy. Mississippi boy. And like, when I talk about Jared, like, he loves jumps. He doesn't Mm -hmm. like jumps. He loves them. And like, he just gets all jazzed up about jumps and like killing jumps. He talks about shooting like 750 off this pond. Like, he's got all these jump stories. And he has never shot a banded snow goose. Yeah, he said there was one jump they did where they got four and he didn't end up with any of them. So he's had opportunities, never shot a banded one. So like for him to get a banded one, like he was, he was all jazzed yeah. up, but we kind of hit it away and we'll kind of get to why he hit it away. Yeah. Um, so we decide to get up to the lodge, get up to the lodge. It's just like a shooting range. Um, go up there, start taking pictures. Everybody's happy. All this is exciting. We shot 100 and I think 175 birds. Yeah, 175. Like, oh, you know, we all, you know, the, the high five. This is awesome. This is great. Okay. Take pictures. Cool. Cool. All right, everybody. Like we're going to get going. There's one group of guys that decides to just say, oh, like you don't want us. They, they did it in the you don't want us to take any birds. It's okay if we don't take any birds, right? No, no, no. I can tell you exactly what they said because it, it it irked me and it irked Dustin a lot. Um, they would So they all got in their truck. They're like, all right, we're going to go. And the guy who originally organized all this had the permission on the original pond. Yep. Was, he, the guy who was driving rolled his window down. And he was like, all right, we're going to take off. And So he's like, oh, you guys want any birds? And he literally goes... I really don't, but I'll take some if you need me to. And I and I was like, man. In the like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, okay, that's kind of crappy. And he drives off, and Dustin said it perfectly. Without it, like truck hadn't even completely pulled away, and he was like, I didn't blanking shoot forty shells to not take home birds, and I was like, that is exactly how I feel. Like, why would you? So. If this surprises anybody, I don't know what your thought process is there, but guess who is the same guys that shot over those guys' dogs? Yeah. The same freaking guys that didn't take any geese, man. And it boils down to there's a lot of guys during snow goose hunters, and this is exactly why jump jump shooters get a bad rap, and I'll tell you why. Those guys, they have no respect for game. They have no respect for anybody they're dealing with, all they care about is running around trying to kill as many as possible, Mm -hmm. and they don't want them to eat. They just want to kill them to kill them and then try to look for bands. Yeah. And if they don't, then I'm not not accusing those guys of anything, but they're the same type of guys, just as a general, it's a stereotype, that dump geese. And there's guys that dumped 100-some snow geese down in Fall City. Oh, no, it was was closer to 300. Really? It was a massive pile of geese, like... It's the same kind of dudes that do the same things, and that's exactly why people hate jump shooters. Mm-hmm. Like most most guys, I would say eighty five percent of guys you talk to, they don't like. I would say sixty percent of guys don't love jump shooters, but 
they also come from the standpoint of we need to thin the herd, so yeah. they get it. Like for most guys, do I love jump shooting? No, like it's not. I would lo- I would much rather shoot 175 birds out of a spread. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, that opportunity just doesn't it. It doesn't just doesn't happen, happen that often. often. So for me to shoot a bunch off of a pond, like that's awesome. I get to work my dog, got to have a good day. You know, a lot of high fives. That's awesome. But like to just not take any man that, yeah, that made me mad. Yeah. And like, those are the same dudes that would have got mad at Jared if they had figured out about that band and said, you know, we want it. They would have just taken it. No, like no flip, no nothing. They would have just taken the bird and left. And I, they were doing a lot of checking of birds. I'm not convinced that they didn't find themselves one. Yeah, I'm not either. Like, we just haven't heard about it. And I'm not trying, like, I'm not trying to cause problems between people or anything. It's just, it's, it's not a, the right way, in my opinion. Like, I, I did, and I would say Hunter grew up the same way. If you're going to shoot it, you better eat it. Yeah. Like, I mean... It, it it was kind of unfortunate because, like, I took 25 birds home. Dane took, like, 20. I don't know how many Jared took. Dustin took 20 or so. And, like, we all are grabbing 20-plus birds, and, like, we look back, and there's still, like, 50, 70 of them yep. sitting on the tables. And it just, I don't know. It just. Well, we end up, between the two of us, we end up with 40 that we cut up. Yeah. So, I mean, it. We cut up birds, not, like, as soon as we got done with the jump, we came home, we sat there together, cut up birds, like, they're not hard to cut up, they're snow geese, they don't have that thick, they're not Canada. It's like, it's like cleaning ducks. Yeah. It's it's not that hard. You cut your birds up, you bag it up, you go home, like, you, worst case scenario, make it into jerky or whatever else. I respected the heck out of it. There was two or three, like, younger guys that, this was kind of along the same line as me, one of their first jumps ever, and they were taking geese home. And, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to snows, it's like, what the heck do we do with it? Like, I know I asked this question. um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. The guy from Juvie Jukebox. Gosh, you're going to make me look this up. I want to say it's not Jared. Just keep going. I'll look it up real quick. When we had him on, I know because – they shoot a lot of birds up in South Dakota, and I asked him, I was like, what do you Josh, guys, Josh, that's what it is. I knew it started with a J. But um, they, you know, they shoot a lot of birds, so I asked them what they do, and they have this long list of things that they do with all their geese, which is awesome. But these new kids, like, they'd never done anything with it before. Um, they literally just were standing there as we were leaving talking to Jared about what to do with them. Like, you know, how does he make them? What's a great recipe for them? Honestly, like, snow geese have such a bad rap that I think people are like, I just don't want to do anything with them. I I do yes, think there yes are people no, that just want to shoot them, yeah. I just think there's a lot of, there's people like that that just has zero respect. And oh, 100%. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it tastes like gold. They're still not going to eat it. Yeah. I mean, I've never ate gold, but I'm, I'm going to say bacon. Yeah. It's more of the disrespect and the lack of... Uh, they're just lazy. They don't want to work. So, I don't know. It, even if it was good, they wouldn't do anything with yeah. it. Yeah. 
All they want to do is they just want to kill and they just want to go about their business. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much, that was the end of, um, trying to think, end of the jump. I think we covered everything that I know of. Is there anything else you can think of? Uh, I can't really think of anything like high or low note wise. So let's think. So after everything, you killed 107 or killed 75, killed 72. So you're looking at like 277. Yeah. So we killed 277 birds with two bands this year, which I think is a pretty good year. Yeah. I ain't going to complain about it. Yeah. Especially since it's my first time getting into <laughs> it. And of course, like after we started killing them in the spread, which we kind of said the jump out of order. The jump came before we started killing all the birds out of the spread. Like yeah. Hunter was still in that. I don't really want to do this phase. We had hunted the Saturday before, and I think we only shot one or something like that. It really yeah. wasn't that great. And then it was like after that jump, really, that's when we had the numbers. So we started killing them out of the spread. But yeah, um, well, I think we would have killed a. I would think we would have killed quite a few if we had like hunted that Saturday because there was a lot of birds in that area. Probably, but um, I mean, we did good enough that like we've been brainstorming about what we're gonna do for more decoys next year. I want to get our hands on as many floaters and older full bodies and paint them. Yeah, I don't disagree. Maybe a little tight on money, but yeah. <laughs> So let's just say it. Uh, the huge announcement this year, or this year, <laughs> yeah, this snow goose season was. Uh, I got a baby on the way. I got a baby, <laughs> baby Well, I joke that it's going to be named Bear, and I'm going to call it Baby Bear. We'll see what happens. Probably nickname, but either way, I got a baby on the way. Um, it's kind of unexpected. We weren't stopping it. We weren't trying. Did it happen? Yes. Is it a huge blessing? Absolutely. I was looking forward to being a dad at some point. I, and I had worked through the, the mental side of the, and emotional side of it. I think it definitely did help, like, hit me all at once. But that that's why, like, that's why I didn't go out for a week or two during season. Just because, like, figuring it out... Like, it throws my life in a loop because our house is supposed to be due in November, or excuse me, in October. Baby's in November. You got to make some, like, financial, like, health insurance decisions. You got to go to, like, a bunch of health appointments. So, like, just everything kind of added up. And to be honest, guys, that's why I didn't do the podcast for a couple weeks because <laughs> mentally I needed a break. Yeah, I, I could – you could just tell, like – so the day – like two days before you ended up telling me we had done a podcast and yep. <laughs> Shay had let it slip that there was a possibility of it while I was there. Yeah. And like you went like zero dark 30 on me <laughs> for the next couple of days. And like, then we went hunting and he just gets out of his truck and he's like, well, I didn't sleep very good last night. And that was the day my dad got to come and, and we like he was Hunter was a little late, and me and my dad are listening to and watching birds, and I can't, Hunter gets out of his truck. I'm like, oh, running on day time this morning, yep. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I didn't sleep too well. And then he just goes, yep, my wife is pregnant, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> so I 
I honestly, I just went. I fell off the map with everybody those two he weeks. He did. He really did. Um, Which is understandable. I you needed a few, you needed some time to kind of. Well, you know, I I had like we joked about it in the podcast and like I it's one of those things like I wanted kids and I, I you know I'd even said to people that <clears throat> if we had a kid at this point like it's in a healthy like <clears throat> it's in a healthy like my wife are in a healthy place in our lives in our careers financially like everything like we're in a good spot to have a kid like mm-hmm. a, a kid's going to be very well loved in our families and it's a you know it's a, it's a very it's a huge blessing it's just I had planned to have a kid in another year or two, so, like, I feel like when you get in your early 20s, you have a lot of time, but you don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mid-20s, like, you're, like, it's 50-50. Late 20s, like, you really start building up. You really have money. Like, you have big boy money. And, like, you relatively have, like, a decent amount of time to do what you want. So it's, like, that that balancing act to, like, I'm going to try to get as much of what I want to get out of hunting out in the next, like this year we went to Arkansas and like I've, I had a couple trips planned over the next couple of years. I'm not saying that they're this year, this coming year, they're toast just because our baby's due in November, but like they're not done. I'm not, I'm not ending my dreams. Nothing to that. I, like there's nothing bad about it. It's just, I will say we probably won't be able to do South Dakota. I know. Like, I hope you guys go. I really do. Well, I mean, actually, I didn't even account to it, but me I, and Dane were talking about going pheasant hunting. But Like, if I can't say if it's a weekend thing, we could make it work. I just wouldn't count well, be, like, running the trip. There's a lot of time. We'll figure something out. So, it's it, there's nothing about, like, ending my life or ending my hunting life. It's just, holy crap, this is happening. Yeah. I, need to, I need some time to process everything and, like get my life straight because I'm, I'm, I'm a type of person that looks to the future and I'm a planner and like whenever, like my whole world's thrown out of whack by something that just doesn't go as planned. I've probably seen you four or five times since you told me and today's probably the first time I've seen you. You didn't look shell shocked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like not in a bad way. I mean, you just, as we have talked a lot together, you just have so many plans and it's like you're up in the air about them now yeah. or like how is it going to go or what yeah. steps to take, which is fair. So I've definitely gotten to the point where, you know, got to accepting it, understanding it. Now I'm really getting to the point where like I'm excited about it. I mean, there is a lot of things about hunting with your kid. There's a lot of things about spending time with your kid. So like I am really excited about that. I just think it was some time needed to kind of, air out everything and what what things be what they are and so like that's you know fatherhood and hunting is probably going to be a little bit more of the podcast in the future not like right at the future but like i don't know we'll see i'm looking forward to having a kid and we'll see what happens yeah but i think that's a big thing we talked about in the past but like you know we talked about gas prices and the way I'm going to hunt and how, you know, we're going to hunt in the future with everything. I think it just, it'll, it'll make itself happen. I will say I'll, I've got a buddy who actually I was talking about him with my dad today. Uh, it's the guy that got me into duck hunting or taught me about duck hunting. And he had a kid about a year and a half or so ago. And you can be this way. You can. 
I promise you. Shay might be a little hesitant, but we can make it. We can convince her. And this kid at like three months old, they bundled him up, hearing protection and everything, took him on his first deer hunt. <laughs> um, there's pictures on Facebook right now. They shot a turkey together this last week. I'm just saying, just because the kid is young. <laughs> I don't see. So with our with our baby due in November, like that, I mean, obviously it's not going goose hunting with me. Yeah. I think snow goose is going to be a little bit early. Turkey hunt, I can understand. I think the following year will definitely be, I can understand. Now it'll be certain scenarios, like there's a spot that we're talking about leasing. If there's a permanent blind there, okay, I'm game. Because you can, like, there's a controlled scenario. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not saying, hey, like, bundle up your baby. We're going to the war zone of public land. No, like... (laughs) Yeah, I, I I understand. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, I think that Shay and you know her being on the podcast, she understands that hunting makes me tick. Hunting is what keeps me kind of level throughout all parts of my life and everything that's going on. So, nice part is we've got family that's close. We got friends, and here's the thing: if you have kids before most of like your friend group, dude. Like, everybody wants to babysit. Like, everybody. I know not you. <laughs> you, can, you can babysit Zeus. That's I, fine. I don't, have, I don't have a problem <laughs> with kids. I just... Uh, I, uh, I'm, I was on the same way. Yeah. And I don't even have a kid yet. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's on this way. <laughs> so, no, but, like, all of Shay's uh, cheerleader coach and, like, all the cheerleaders want to... Yeah, so... And both sets of grandparents, like her parents and my dad, that's the first grandkid. So, like, this kid is going to be spoiled real good. And oh, yeah. I'll have plenty of people to babysit. So, it's going to be an adjustment, but I am, I'm looking forward to it. So, that's a major announcement. So, yeah. all right, guys. You have anything before we get off? <laughs> okay. We talked for quite a while. Yeah, we did. So, we had a great time snow goose hunting. Some plans we got going for the future. Turkey hunting. We're going out this weekend. And then we got a, a trip um, coming out to go out west. So really excited about some spending some time with my dad, going out and hopefully shooting a turkey. And uh, that's kind of the future that we have planned. Make sure to check out Jeremy's um, YouTube channel, Hunt Fixtry 65. He's got some snow goose, and I know you got some turkey content coming out. So if you guys want to see that stuff, check it out. Um, we actually do have snow goose, I call it snow goose operation. We get a couple of reels of snow goose season about how, what we did to the pond and how it looks now. So if you guys want to check that out, check it out on my Instagram and, uh, make sure to rate and review the podcast. All right, guys, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us squawk and, uh, <laughs> have a good night.